Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This week on the Happy Half Hour. He said the words, man. He said the magic words. Keep pounding means something to Steve Wilkes because he grew up around it. And he talked about, I was here when things were good. And it was almost like being at a tent revival. You know, the music's (laughs) coming up behind him while he's saying this. Touchdown, Carolina! It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Augusta Stone, and Darren Gantz. That's right. It's that time of the week. It's the Happy Half Hour podcast with your friends, Darren, Augusta, and Kristen. And guys, you know, there's nothing much to talk about this week, right? It's a shame. (laughs) Boring week. Yeah. I I don't have much on the rundown. Yeah. Here on Thursday morning, this is like the first time I've taken a deep breath and stopped for more than 30 seconds at a time. Did you sleep at your desk at any point this week? Yeah, I think I crawled under it and took a nap, you know, so it's... uh, yeah, there's there's some stuff going on. It's been a week here at Bank of America Stadium. Well, let's. I, I think the best way to do yeah. that. I mean, if you are listening to this podcast, there is no doubt that you know the Panthers have parted ways with former head coach Matt Rule. Uh, Steve Wilkes is now the interim head coach. But Darren, to your point about it being an interesting week, I thought what would be really great is to go through it almost day by day and right. what has happened and get uh, you guys' insight, my insight and take fans through um, a little bit of the behind the scenes, what we have learned about everything. So after, um, you know, the Panthers lose on Sunday at home on Monday, we get the news early in the day that David Tepper has Mm -hmm. made the decision to uh, let go of Matt rule. And you know what? I mean, I think everybody wants it to be one big acute thing. And there are people who want to know, oh, what was the moment when you decided? And it was never about one moment. Now, are there reporters who did, want to know that? Did, <laughs> I, I don't know that they're reporters. Um, if there are, if, if you're looking for a reason and you could say, well, there was a sea of red jerseys that are high contrast and really visible in the stands for a 22-point loss, which is your worst loss of the season – I guess you could say that, but at a certain point, and I mentioned this the other day in the mailbag, at a certain point, 11 and 27 carries its own weight. And, and you don't, I don't know that you need a lot more reason other than 11 and 27. And, you know, I, I will say, not in Matt Rule's defense, he doesn't need me to defend him, but um, a lot of the things Matt talked about wanting to try to do, the specific things, the specific fixes for this team that he talked about were absolutely correct. 
Uh, he also was not um, part of acquiring great quarterback solutions over three years, and that's part of the problem ongoing. And if when you add all that stuff up together, I mean, uh, eleven and twenty-seven is eleven and twenty-seven, and. It's the, you know, I was around here for George Seifert for the one in 15 year when the owner said it sucked the energy out of the organization. And when you look at it, I mean, George's career record winning percentage is still higher than Matt's. I mean, it was tough and and it it was a bad situation and it wasn't entirely one person's fault and getting rid of one person's not going to fix it, but it wasn't working. Well, to your point, that's exactly what David Tepper told us. He told us, you know, it's about getting over the hump, and that's just not where we were. And at this point, it's, you know, what can push to that to that point. And it's like Darren said, you know, not being able to find a quarterback, you know, striking out three times, just not being able to find that permanent, good, solid option. And it's not from a lack of trying either, I don't think. I mean, I agree. You know, and so it's one of those things where it had gotten to the point where, I mean, he had been, he had been patient and it was, you know, I just we all look for like like Darren said, you know, was it the sea of red? Was it all of these things? It, it wasn't. It was simply at that point, you know, we're not getting over the hump and, you know, we're ready to try something new. And I think, Augusta, you make a, a great point. Um, it, no one in this building was not trying to sure. win games. But at the end of the day, as you both said, 11 and 27, one and four to start this season. Um, Dave felt like it was time for a change. And Darren, you have, as you said, you have been around this organization through multiple coaching changes. Before we look ahead, and we're going to do a lot of that in this podcast, what does it what does it mean for a team, for a coaching staff, for an organization when there is an early coaching change um, in the season? Right. Well, the Panthers have never done it this early. You know, Perry Fuel finished up mm-hmm. uh, after Ron Rivera, but that was a four-game, you know, slog to the finish. There's a lot of season left now, and it creates an unusual dynamic because even though Matt's gone, there are a lot of people who Matt brought here who are still working, and it's – I, I – I say this genuinely. It's impressive to me to see the people that Matt brought here showing up, doing their jobs, doing them with a smile on their face. I mean, you see people who were his assistants in other places, and they've got the same energy today because that's the job. I mean, these are... These are people of character who show up when, you know, they are kind of personally hurting. And I've talked to some of these people in the halls and, you know, it's emotional for them because they came here with him for a reason. And and it's an awkward situation in some ways because they don't know what's next for them. And 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 they show up and they do the job. And I respect that. And I've told a couple of them that face to face. I mean, it's just when you see that, you can't help but appreciate the effort that goes into you know, everybody sees football team, 53 dudes on the field on Sunday, big coaching staff, whatever. But there's a small army of people it takes to put this product out on a week-to-week basis. And, you know, it, it sounds kind of cold and it sounds maybe callous, but the show must go on. And these people are continuing to put on the show. And and I'm glad that you brought that up because that is something that I have the utmost respect for is um, there is a – a good contingent of people, as Darren said, who were uh, came here from Baylor Temple, um, bought houses, yep. you know, um, have families, and regardless of of anything, whether it was the the right decision, you never want people to lose their jobs, um, and so it has been an it has been a, a tough week in some respects here for for a lot of people that we know and interact with on a daily basis. That being said, um, 
Darren, as, as you said, uh, a lot of them are continuing right now. Um, right. As far as we know, uh, defensive coordinator Phil Snow, yep. assistant special teams coach Ed Foley are no longer uh, continuing, but everyone else is staying the same. Right. So before we get into the Steve Wilkes of it all, I, I do want to ask a, a hypothetical to both of you. And I, I think it's something that a lot of fans wonder, and I asked Steve Wilkes this yesterday as well. When you are an interim coach, someone who's been a, a former head coach, certainly is is very well equipped to do this job, mm-hmm. but did not hire the people underneath you. Right. And you start out one and four. How much can be done to change the things that you want to change, to galvanize the team? Because as you said, Darren, there is yeah. a lot of season left, and certainly Panthers fans want to see them win some games. Sure, and I think it's going to be interesting to see, especially offensively, because there'll be some changes defensively with Al Holcomb replacing Phil Snow as coordinator. I mean, they might call some things differently. They might look a little bit differently in terms of alignment. But I I don't think the changes are going to be that big on that side of the ball because mm-hmm. if you look back, Al Holcomb was Steve's defensive coordinator in Arizona. Yes. And, and Don Johnson, the defensive line coach, pass rush specialist, was his D-line coach in Arizona. So there, there is familiarity, and these guys have known each other for a long time. So I, I think there's an opportunity for, you know, even though you're making some changes, almost continuity. That's the side of the ball you can depend on, and I think exactly. that'll be the side of the ball you'll continue to depend on if you're the Carolina Panthers. You wouldn't want it to change that much, I wouldn't right. think, because they are doing this a good job. This is not a thing you blow up. Yes, Exactly. Well, that's something I actually got to speak with J.J. Jansen, who I feel like, like Darren told me, and it's so true, he's like the historian in the locker room. You know, he just, he knows, like, talking to him, you know, you ask him three questions and he talks for five minutes and it's just amazing and perfect. Only five? Well, well, on, you know, it it just... (laughs) It, it's it's very useful stuff. Like I'm sitting here and the whole time I'm like, I feel like I'm reading a book. Like this is just so useful. But one of the things he talked about was with Wilkes because they know him pretty well. He was here from 2012 to 2017. And also the fact that he's been on staff and he has that presence, which I know we'll talk about at some point, but he has such a commanding presence that it's like, oh yeah, everyone in that locker room already had so much respect for him. Mm-hmm. So he's made kind of these minor tweaks that I find really interesting, um, like changing the days uh, that they wear pads from. Thursdays to Wednesdays to get you know just kickstart the week and and start off physically and then um, but also just just he doesn't want to change too much I think one of the things that he said yesterday that I really liked was that he's simplifying but going faster yes and those and you could feel that rhythm in practice I think I think you could feel I kept asking the players I was like did it feel bouncy because it felt bouncy and they were like I was talking to Davion Nixon and he was like yeah I think it did feel bouncy because it was like <laughs> there was just a pep to the step. I don't know how to describe it other than I just felt, you know, like everything was moving at a higher pace. And so I think pacing is one thing. Intensity is one thing. But nothing like schematic overhauls or right. anything because it's it's week six. You can't do that at this point. But there's like subtle things that I think make a big difference. Yeah, right. And it's interesting. Yesterday out on the practice field, there was some guy named Luke something or other just hanging out on the sidelines. And I asked him, you know, when they walked in the door um, wearing full pads, I said, you know, this is how you guys did it, right, When back during the Ron Rivera years. And he said, yeah. And I said, what's the difference Wednesday to Thursday? And he said, for me, I liked it because, A, get them out of the way early in the week. You know, I liked, okay, if you know you're going to carry pads, if you know it's going to be a contact day, you want it out of the way early. But he said – from a practical standpoint, a lot of times when the game plan goes in, Wednesday is first down, second down day. 
It's the day you're working on run stuff. It's the day you're doing inside drills. And so when you get to Thursday and it's third down day and a lot of pass coverage stuff, he said just from a practical standpoint, it's easier to not carry pads on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And that is a minor change. I mean, if you look at a seven-day week, you know, do they get extra time to recover from wearing pads now under this schedule? Yes, but they also have a day fewer to recover on the other side. So it's a six of one, half a dozen of another kind of distinction, I think. But just listening to Luke talk about what it does, and and I think as much as anything else, Steve probably did it to get everybody's attention mm. and, and to say, hey, you know, and J.J. in Augusta's story this morning said it perfectly. It was almost like hitting the reset button. Mm-hmm. And it was a chance to sort of focus everybody, all right, over here on me. This is what we're going to do. It's going to be in pads. It's going to be a little more direct. It's going to be, you know, just going down the checklist. And that's kind of the way Steve's approaching this right now. I agree completely. You know, um, Jonathan Stewart was standing beside mm-hmm. Luke at practice, and he pointed out to me the difference of pads on Wednesday. Um, He said, you know, this does look a little bit different, pads on Wednesday. And then I later talked to Steve Wilkes, and he pointed out the pads on Wednesday. Now, to your point, Augusta and and Darren, uh, is that going to make a difference in in wins and losses, that alone, over the course of the season? No, but it is a a great example of some things that you can change and mold to to your philosophy um, as an interim head coach that you feel helps the team perform better without, Augusta, as you said, really going in and say, okay, we're going to do things entirely different. So it is, as you said, a a, a reset. I I want to go back to Steve Wilkes, the person as well, because like I said, if you're listening to this podcast, you have probably read the coverage on Panthers.com. Hopefully you will see our interviews with him and learn more about him. But we've all had a chance to talk to him and talk to uh, current players that have played for him in the secondary, former players. And so I just want to get a sense from, from you two about who he is and why this is different potentially than, as we've talked about in the past, when you have an interim head coach kind of coming in to finish things out because yeah. it does feel very different. And a lot of that starts with who Steve Wilkes is as a coach in person. Right. One of my favorite things about Steve, and pardon me if I get a little corny here, but Steve is from and of. He is Charlotte, man. I mean, that kid grew up. He was born here. He grew up here. He played at West Charlotte, went to Appalachian State, came home and played for the Charlotte Rage, for God's sakes, out at the old Coliseum on on Tyvola. He is Charlotte to his core. Can I interject really quickly because I have a story that I think you're going to love, and then I want to get right back (laughs) to that. I asked him about this yesterday. I said, what made you want to come back, and what has drawn you back to this place? And he said the same thing. He said, Charlotte's home. He said, I always used to joke that – I had two favorite teams in the NFL, the one I was currently working for and the Panthers. Mm-hmm. So to come back as DB's coach, it simplified things a little bit. He said, we actually kept our house in Charlotte each time we moved. Um, and I said, I said, Steve, did the, the renters treat it right when you moved back in? And he said, actually, we didn't have renters. So he, he said he didn't know if his wife was going to be okay with him saying that. But Darren, to your point, I just wanted to interject there. There is no doubt that he considers this place his home. Yeah, no doubt. And and one of us is strong. I mean, one of, you know, he, I think that's why there's kind of a feeling out in the community is the situation he's walking to into ideal. It is not. Uh, the problems that led to this team being one and four remain. It's still an uncertain quarterback situation, even when everybody's healthy, which they are not. 
Uh, but there's something about Steve, that presence, that word comes up a lot. My God, if you watch the 42-second video from his first press conference, it, he said the words, man. He said the magic words. Keep pounding means something to Steve Wilkes because he grew up around it. And he talked about, I was here when things were good. And it was almost like being at a tent revival, you know, the music's <laughs> coming up behind him while he's saying this. And and people do flashback. They do remember 15 and 1 in 2015. They do remember Thieves Avenue. They do remember Josh Norman going from being kind of a fifth-round afterthought to becoming all-pro cornerback Josh Norman, yep. thanks to Steve Wilkes. And you know, there's a good feeling attached to that. And Steve's got that quality about him. I mean, I kind of joked about it internally, just looking at the pictures. This man has a cinematic quality mm-hmm. about him. They, His players called him Denzel back in the days. And oh, I can see that now that you say that. He, yeah. He's got that. Whatever that is, Steve's got that. And he knows how to command a room. And, you know, he did. It, it, and I actually like, you know, I was talking earlier about admiring the people who show up and do the thing when it's uncomfortable. It would have been so easy for Steve to turn Tuesday into the Steve Wilk show and come look at the guy. Yeah, let's talk about Johnson C. Smith. Let's talk about West Charlotte. And he kind of made a passing mention. He's like, listen, I know it's important. I know it's important for people from my community to see people succeeding. But this is about how we fix this one and four football team. This is about we got a game Sunday. I bet he said focus on the Rams about five times during a 15, 20-minute press conference. So you could tell where his head was. And it, as easy as it would have been to turn it into the Steve show, he kept spinning it back to, yes, I know, yes, that's important, but over here – we got the Rams over here. We've got to to lock in on the football and the stuff we got to fix this week. And to be fair, he probably is. I mean, he does have to game plan on a short week yeah. for a team that he was not the head coach of last week. So I I did get that sense of right. in terms of professionalism, he probably is like in his head answering these questions from me or from right. either of you, going, okay, well, if we adjust this a little bit, and that is sure. what you want from from your coach, Augusto. What have you learned about him from from talking to players? Exactly. Exactly. I think the locker room, like Darren said, you know, he he really does have their attention. I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, I heard everyone I talked to just about yesterday, I talked to five or six different guys about it, and they all kind of gave the same message, which is something that he had told us in the press conference. But it's something that I feel like just in terms of that locker room, I mean, Ooh, we went in there after the 49ers game and it, it felt, you know, it was they were they were disappointed and you could feel that disappointment. And then going Leak in is an OK word. Yeah, it was, it was rough. A, it was a tough loss. It was very rough. tough. Loss. It was the roughest locker room experience since I've been here easily. And then it felt like we had been very well removed from that just from being a few days yesterday. And everyone I talked to was like, I mean, Coach Wilkes said he told us, you know, season's not canceled. Season's not canceled. And that's something I just kept hearing, you know, no matter what I asked, they were like, he said season's not canceled and they like that message you could tell that they you know there was also that sense of disappointment like okay you know this is a business the job is to get results if we don't get results then this happens and and I like I think they like the fact that Steve has been so direct with them like okay so the reason that I am here is because we haven't been performing so we need to be better very pointed and I think that kind of pointed tough love kind of thing has really resonated with a lot of the guys Um, they really seem to 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 buy in I mean everyone from I talked to Deontay Foreman for a while and he's one of those guys sometimes you catch him and he's really talkative sometimes 
times he's not. Yesterday he really wanted to talk about it, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, JJ, obviously. And then Christian McCaffrey. I think Christian really, really likes the... I think he likes what Steve Wilkes brings, the intensity, the yeah. pointedness, things and, like that. And one thing I think it's in the interest of fairness, it's worth pointing out. We talk about, and I use the word bleak about that locker room, that was a result of the game rather than any kind of pervasive sense in yeah. the room. That is it, a great point because I knew that immediately yeah. what you were saying, but that's a, it's a great point to point out to the, people listening right, at home. The yes. locker room was not bad. It's not like there was any kind of dissent in there. It's no. a pretty tight-knit group. And, uh, and Augusta came in the summer and saw the Panthers games. <laughs> and, yes. and, you know, you were there and we saw how this team was kind of coming closer together. It was actually a pretty good locker room. They are. I, I'm. I'm down there on the sidelines yeah. throughout the games. They play together. Four and a half minutes left in that game. Two score game. They're still working. They're still yeah. game planning. And and Darren, I, I think that's a great point. You you want them. I would think as a fan, you want the locker room to not be jubilant and happy after right. a, a three score loss yeah. um, to the 49ers. Yeah, I mean the results are are the reason things kind of look bad. Not yeah. any kind of internal conflict or personalities or right. divides not or any all. of that kind of stuff. I mean, we've talked about it after games already this season. It would be really easy for those cats on defense to say, "All right, boys, we're doing our part. Let's do mm-hmm. yours." Mm-hmm. But that stuff's never really happened, and it wasn't like this toxic environment before. Um, there was just some frustration about the way games were going. So it's it's interesting. You walk in, I, there was somebody, where was it? Oh, in Miami. Uh, they took the ping pong tables out of the locker room uh, in Miami. And ping pong tables are always kind of the barometer of the mood of a room. Because <laughs> if people are playing ping pong and they're winning, it means, oh, look at this camaraderie. Look at this chemistry. Everybody's together and having fun and playing ping pong. And if you're losing, ping pong becomes, oh, they're distracted. They're not paying enough attention to their work. They, You can't have fun when it's bad. Uh, ping pong table's still in the locker room. Yes, as yeah. they should. Life is fairly normal, believe it or not. I mean, and, and that's what it is so weird. Coming from a daily newspaper background, I mean, we always called it the daily miracle that you put this thing out <laughs> every day. But football kind of works like that, too. You know, Johnny Hecker and J.J. Jansen and Deontay Foreman and Davion Nixon, they got to show up and do Wednesday. They can't get caught up in the historical sweep of events that's happening around them because there's practice. And and Johnny and I were talking about this yesterday. It's just you have to stay locked in on the stuff that makes Wednesday good. You Mm -hmm. have to lock in on doing Thursday's film session right. If you want to break out of a skid or do anything like that. And, you know, Johnny was part of a Rams team last year that didn't win a a game in November. Things turned out okay for the Rams. (laughs) They did. So, you know, it was kind of interesting hearing that perspective because I, I think when you get a, you know, a fairly historical change, this was the fifth head coach in Panthers history uh, walking out the door on Monday. And it was pretty, you know, it was a significant moment, but everybody shows up the next day for work, and it's like, all right, what do we got to do now? I agree. So let's talk about – you mentioned the Rams. Let's let's look ahead quickly um, because, as Augusta said, I love this. I hope maybe it's the episode title. Uh, this, this coaching change and Steve Wilkes, the energy that he has brought, has pressed the reset button. But mm-hmm. if you look at um, 
on paper at least, the game that they are going to play on a short week with a, a new head coach, some changes, maybe not going to – maybe you wouldn't choose <laughs> to go out west um, to, to go across the country right. and play the defending Super Bowl champions when uh, your starting quarterback is, is hurt and um, – you, and he may or may not play, but they are currently practicing with P.J. Walker um, and assuming that he will be the starting quarterback for this game. So let's talk about what the Panthers are up against this weekend and the latest, especially on the quarterback situation. Right. Not ideal. Uh, Baker came out of that game last week wearing a walking boot mm-hmm. on his left on his left foot and ankle. I mean, he's got an ankle sprain of some degree. I mean, I, I always – and this is one of my pet peeves – But the way things get reported, it's like, oh, my God, he's going to be out for six weeks. Maybe not. I mean, and Steve said it yesterday. He knows Baker. And after talking to him yesterday, Baker kind of wants to be active on Mm -hmm. Sunday. We'll see if he is. I don't I don't know. That might be optimistic. But if he's not able to, then it's it's P.J. Walker. And I will say Baker. Listen, Baker Mayfield has not played well. Baker's playing at a level we didn't even see last year when he was hurt in Cleveland. The one thing no one's alleging is that he's not putting everything he's got into this deal. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, for God's sakes, said something the other day about the guy's out there with a jacked-up ankle, and he wasn't coming out of that game until the very end. And I, I think that was to protect him as much as anything else. But uh, Baker's a tough guy. Baker's going to try. Uh, I just don't know. Steve said if he didn't practice this week, he wouldn't feel good playing him in the game. Mm-hmm. And if that happens – Welcome back, P.J. Walker, who's who's had to step in a couple of times over the last couple of years and start a game. But when he does step in, there are some interesting things to note, according to our very own Panther Stats guy. So let's get to Will's Stat of the Week. Will, do you remember back in the 70s when sitcoms were taped live in front of a studio audience? Sure, Darren. Of course not. Why would you? You're a child. Okay. It's Panthers Stats Guy, and now that we've had that diversion, here's this week's Panthers Stats Guy Stat of the Week. Well, as we sit here on Thursday, it's looking more and more likely that P.J. Walker will be getting the start against the Rams on Sunday. And if that doesn't happen, then this this just never happened. But I have a stat for that. P.J. is looking for his third start to go 3-0 and in his first three career starts. He'd be the 45th quarterback in NFL history to start 3-0 and in his first three. However, you look at some of his career numbers and you're like, eh, I don't know. He's so much better as a starter than he is as someone coming in in the fourth quarter, which has affected yeah. his career stats. Yeah. So let's take a look. As a starter, 73% completion percentage, 6.75 yards per attempt with a 76.5 passer rating. As a backup, only 41% completion rating 5.6 yards per attempt with a rate passer rating of 33.2 so when he gets that full week of first team reps and he's ready to go on sunday he's a guy that can really step in and play good pj can be good sure can thanks will Will always brings it. I mean, some guys are starters and some guys are relievers. I, I remember back in the old mm-hmm. days, Matt Moore, a quarterback of vintage uh, that pa- old school Panthers fans will remember. Matt, remember Matt was Moore. great coming off the bench and finishing up a game if somebody got hurt. When Matt had to start, it was the opposite of P.J. I mean, I think when Matt started, he, he over-processed some things maybe, and it, and it was a little bit tighter. But he was one of those grip-it-and-rip-it kind of guys who could come in in the third quarter. But – Again, to to Will's point, when P.J. has started, he's been all right. Now, that that Lions game in 20, he throws a couple of red zone 
uh, picks, not ideal, but it was in the middle of a shutout of the Lions, mm-hmm. and that uh, was near the end of the Matt Patricia era in Detroit. Um, but the Arizona game, I mean, he threw a pick out in the middle of the field in Arizona, and that was kind of – it wasn't the P.J. Walker game. It was the Cam Newton game, as everybody remembers from last but year. But P.J. Walker got them down the right. field. Uh, P.J. moved that team yes. between the 20s yes. pretty reliably. He was 22-29 that day. And then the touchdown everyone uh, remembers where yep. Cam Newton came in and said to the camera, I'm back. P.J. Walker had gotten them into that Correct. position. So so P.J.'s capable of playing good ball. And the guys, again, the guys in the locker room kind of dig on P.J. Because P.J.'s got this unfazed energy about yeah. him. I mean, he just really. He's P- a good locker room I, guy. I, I, I get a kick out of P.J. because, listen, P.J. Walker's college coach who brought him to Carolina got fired on Monday, and he's starting on Wednesday. This is not normal. This ain't, might not be in the top three insane things P.J. Walker's seen in his life. I mean, he was standing in Indianapolis the day Andrew Luck's like, yeah, this isn't working out. I'm done. And everybody's like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. You know, our quarterback's retiring uh, Yeah, at the end of training camp right before the start of the regular season. So P.J.'s seen some things. He's <laughs> been in some stuff. And, and I think in a weird way, and this sounds peculiar, again, you're going to play the Rams. You're getting on a plane, flying across country to play the defending Super Bowl champs who have this guy named Aaron Donald wrecking stuff in the middle of the line. And they've got this guy named Cooper Cup who leads the NFC in receptions. And it's just – it's not an ideal situation, but PJ doesn't seem bothered by this. That's one thing that I have learned, and I think you could say this and know it, but we see it every day. You know, if I were a backup quarterback um, who wasn't sure if I was going to see the field uh, this year, um, and I my first time going in a regular season game or starting in a regular season game was going to be with Aaron, Don- Aaron Donald staring me down, I would be very nervous, right? But you don't make it to the NFL and you don't (laughs) succeed in the NFL unless you want every opportunity and believe that you can overcome all of that and win a game for your team. It's It's just a fact. All of those guys are in that locker room or in any locker room and have succeeded this far because they believe in themselves and they are good enough to be here. And they're solid. I mean, I was just thinking about it because I talked with Jacob Eason yesterday, too, who is practice squad quarterback taking scout team reps yesterday, taking his first live rep since coming to Carolina in practice, which was, you know, I talked to him about it and he kind of laughed. He was like, yep, it was my first time doing that, uh, you know, outside of drills and everything. But um, talking with PJ, you know, throughout, I was just thinking, I mean, obviously his career to this point has been wild. But even here, this point, I mean, you had in training camp, it was Sam Darnold versus Baker Mayfield and also Matt Corral is here and it's like oh yeah PJ Walker and to see it's week six and now he's already you know taking the first team reps in practice it's just kind of crazy but it takes that level of mentality to be so level Mm -hmm. like no matter what day of the week you're talking to PJ or Jacob Eason or anybody they're they don't and and all football players that you talk to you know they're like oh can't get too high can't get too low all this stuff but they really exemplify it better than any because they don't I mean sometimes they won't see the field at all but no matter what when they're called up they're like same as always. That's what PJ yeah. said. He's like, I prepare like I'm the starter all the time. And it's it's just they're so even keeled. And that's honestly like outside of football, that's a good life perspective. Yeah. Like, honestly, I want to be more like PJ. Not, all. Not, yeah. not every football is this way. Uh, not every football player is this way. But PJ Walker was blessed 
with the gift of self-awareness. Yes. P.J. Walker understands better than anybody if Matt Corral and Sam Darnold don't get hurt in a preseason, he is unemployed. Mm -hmm. He was not going to be on this roster. He was the fourth of four throughout training camp. Felt bad for him at times because, you know, they're out there doing weekly press conference with Baker and Sam during this competition. And, oh, by the way, there's a shiny new rookie in P.J. I'm over here, guys. Mm -hmm. You know, just kind of – but P.J. kept just doing his P.J. thing and, and being ready for whatever came to him, and now it's come to him again. The Jimmy Garoppolo of the Southeast, if I may. <laughs> uh, no, we will have um, – this was, a, this was a, a great episode. I hope everyone got some insight into what it's been like in the building this week, and we will have plenty to talk about next week on the Happy Half Hour podcast. So thank you both for all of your insight, and thank all of you for listening. We'll see you next Thursday. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today.